Welcome to Rich Conversations. We are joined today from Sao Paulo, Brazil. We finally have someone on from Brazil by animation designer Elaine Posadas. And with a perspective as an immigrant from Peru, she shares the rich cultural diversity of Sao Paulo and the many communities that make it such a vibrant city. It's a really diverse city. She shares how she became interested in art and the influences that have inspired her along the way. We also discuss internet history and the platforms that that came and went, like MySpace and Tumblr. Uh, Elaine really shares, she was really involved on, on Tumblr, so it's really interesting to hear, and uh, I, I was on MySpace for quite a while. Elaine elaborates also on the nuances of emo culture. I didn't know so much about, about a lot of this. We talk about music and, and Lollapalooza. She recently went to Lollapalooza. Uh, and, you know, it's just like how we all have unique backgrounds and experiences throughout the world. We're all still just trying to navigate life on Earth. You can follow Elaine on Instagram at elimxrgz. Now, let's begin. All right. Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is going to be a really cool episode. I'm really looking forward to this. We have Elaine Posadas joining us from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, why don't you briefly introduce yourself for uh, listeners and viewers? Okay, so I am Elaine or Eliane, depends on the language. Um, I am a 23-year-old animator slash designer illustrator video editor i don't know i'll do a lot of like digital art in general i recently graduated from uni um i am peruvian actually but i've lived here in brazil for like over 13 years so i basically grew up here and um yeah basically yeah we were talking about this right before we went on how uh you're like you're the fourth Peruvian that we've had on the show, uh, but the, we haven't talked to anybody in Brazil yet. So this will be cool to get your perspective on things. Yeah, yeah. Like I can get both the Brazilian perspective because I did grow up here since I was like nine years old, but also the immigrant perspective. Like mm. I was about to say before we started recording that uh, the Andean community in São Paulo is one of the biggest immigrant communities here especially the Bolivian ones. And, you know, like Bolivians, Peruvians, we consider each other uh, like cousins, cousins basically, because our cultures are very, very similar. Once, like a long, long time ago, we were only one country. <laughs> wow. So, wow. yeah. And it's pretty, it's a pretty, very, very interesting and cool community. Like there's, there are actually, um, Ah, I forgot the name. Like places here in the city which is like exclusively Bolivians and Peruvians. Like there's like a whole market only exclusively for Bolivians and Peruvians, Peruvian food and Peruvian food products. And even there's a place where they would um, showcase dances and um, music presentations. And so it's, it's pretty really multicultural cool. and, there. Yeah, it's pretty multicultural. And like you wouldn't, think of it like oh Sao Paulo it's Brazil it's like only 
strictly, you know, samba, football, but no, it's very multicultural over here. Wow. What, what would you say the general vibe of Sao Paulo is? It's very diverse. It's like a big city, like Los Angeles, like um, New York. It's a big city. Like, yeah, filled with buildings and cars and noise and, you know, pollution. <laughs> but it's very, very diverse. Like you would see, you would find everything here that you can imagine. It's a place where everyone has a place, basically. Wow, that's a great way to say it. I saw just looking yeah. at quick facts about the city before this. It's the fourth most populous city in the world for like the city limits in particular, not necessarily metro. So it's like 12 mm -hmm. million people in the city city and then the metro is like 22 million, it looks like. Yeah, no, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty big. Um, I think it's the biggest in South America, even Latin America. Yeah, it's, it's pretty big. Wow. So what, what's, can you share with me what makes it unique compared to uh, Rio de Janeiro and like the differences between the cities? I think, first of all, the diversity. Um, Rio is also like very diverse, but it's, I don't know, it's a different kind of way, you would say. Because here, um, like I said, we have like a neighborhood. I remember the, the word. We have exclusive neighborhood for the and the end community. We have a neighborhood only for the East Asian community as well. Like we have, you would say the Chinatown, but it's more like the Japanese town. But it's um, not only Japanese. It also have like a lot of Chinese and Korean influences as well. Mm. It's like it's called Liberdade, that it's filled with Asian, East Asian restaurants and shops and everything. You will find everything there. And um, there's each corner has its own its own culture, you would say, as well. It's very diverse. You would find like a thing for everything. You will find everything here. And you could say that like Rio de Janeiro is more of a beach city, you know, people go okay. there to, to tan, to go to the beach over here is more like a go out city, go to like different places to know different things to like, I guess like travel worldwide without actually traveling because you would find everything here. Huh. I'm really curious about this now. Like, uh, <laughs> it seems there's definitely something for everybody. Yeah, no, definitely. Would you say that, like, is it the more, like, artsy and, like, intellectual city of Brazil compared to Rio or no? Yeah, no, Is Rio definitely. the more, like, yeah. going out or the the, like, entertainment party city? Uh, yes, it's more like the entertainment party, definitely, and the more like beachy vibes. Whereas here it would be like the city where all the hipsters want to live. <laughs> but, but like legit though, when I yeah. grew up in a small city here, like in the countryside of Sao Paulo, and basically all the hipster kids from my city, including myself when I was like a teenager, we all wanted to come here. We ended up coming here, most of us. <laughs> really yeah because here um you might know chicago you know lollapalooza 
yeah the the festival yeah, yeah the like headlines or the 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 lineup just came out today yeah i saw so yeah we have lola palooza like this weekend here in sao paulo really yeah like sao paulo is the city for festivals for music festivals even we have like rock in rio, rio de janeiro most okay. of them happen here in sao paulo we are getting we're gonna get primavera sound the one from barcelona here in sao paulo as well elaborate on that a little bit i saw a photo of of you at Lollapalooza. that was the chicago one no it was the sao paulo one here so they're they're like what makes <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm like this is like blowing my mind right now sort of so Lollapalooza is known to be in chicago but they also have a lot in of other Palooza. countries like Brazil, it's the same font, Argentina. It's the same uh it's it's the same festival. is it the same it's organizers the same or... festival, but what basically. makes a festival yeah. unique compared to another festival i guess the type of music the type of artists they bring the type of vibe they have because like there's a Lollapalooza, brazil argentina chile there's also in paris i think so it's France. like the the curation of the yeah music. the curation of it and like here in south america the lollapalooza the artists we get the headliners are like basically the same for brazil argentina and chile the only differences are more of the local artists okay because like for argentina and chile you would get the more like latin artists the uh, uh, speaking singing artists and here we only get the brazilian ones Okay. So the the headliners, what type of like who do they how, who does Lollapalooza try to get to headline those? Yeah. It's we like I am me and my friends we're like big fans of Lollapalooza and uh festivals in general. So like we see a trend that it ends up being similar from Chicago's. Like last year you had Miley Cyrus. This year we're having Miley Cyrus. Okay. Mhm. This year, I'll read you the lineup of. Uh, so it's uh, Metallica, Green Day, Dua Lipa, and. What's the other one? J. Cole. Mm hmm. Yeah. Doja Cat, too. Machine yeah. Gun <laughs> Kelly, Lil Baby, and Kygo. Doja Cat and Machine Gun Kelly are going to play this weekend here. Really? Yeah. At Lala. <laughs> Yeah, at Lala. <laughs> so the Lala in Brazil and Sao Paulo, Brazil, are going to have same similar guests as uh, Chicago this summer. Yeah, and it's also having similar from last year's Lala and there in Chicago. So it's like a brand, and they try to stay on brand with the type of music yeah. that they curate. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like in 2019, uh, the 1975 went. Actually, that was the main reason I went to Lollapalooza that year okay. because of the 1975 and also Arctic Monkeys. They bring like very similar artists. Yeah, uh, I've been listening to 1975 quite a bit recently. A co-worker of mine, she created a playlist. We, we work at a restaurant and so we mm -hmm. like curate playlists and she listens to a lot of like Miley and uh, Arctic Monkeys is kind of on there too. Nineteen seventy-five, like uh, Billie Eilish, all all those types oh, cool. of, of people. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about music a little bit later, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you say? Okay, if someone had a few days in Sao Paulo, what would you recommend mm-hmm. them doing? Um, first of all, that it's a must go to Avenida Paulista or Paulista Avenue. It's like the main tourist point here. Everyone, everyone goes there. It's really amazing to first of all take pictures. People call the call it like the Wall Street of Sao Paulo. But I would say it's more than that because especially every Sunday, there's like uh the the like they close the all the road of the street of the avenue okay so people can like walk through it and there's like a lot of uh musical presentations happening or like theater presentations just in the middle of the street and it's amazing it's really cool and like there are a lot of um street vendors like people that sell their art okay even like they sell their paintings the things they made by hand jewelry and it's really really cool there's there are two museums there the masp um the museum of modern art of sao paulo if i'm not mistaken that's the name (laughs) and there's a fiespi which is uh another another place where there are like constant exhibitions happening like they change it every time Like the last one that I went was uh, an exhibition of Art Nouveau. Oh, that is Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Art Nouveau. Art Nouveau. And another place they have, they will have to go is Liberdade. That's like the Japanese neighborhood. Okay. Especially to eat like good, good and genuine ramen or just Chinese or Japanese or Korean food. And you know, K-pop kids go there to do their dances, to practice, or okay. even like cosplayers. There still are like the emo teenagers who nowadays are like also more tending towards being e-girl and e-boys. They go there to just hang out and be, and it's amazing to see. Like, it's so cute. Some people <laughs> make fun of them, but like, you know, they're but they teenagers. enjoy it. It's, it's cool. They yeah. enjoy it. They're like being themselves. So yeah. like, it's it's really cute to see, and it's really interesting, especially the cosplayers. Okay. You can take pictures with them. They just go around dressed as anime characters, and like you can take pictures of with them if you want. Um, let's see what other place. There's uh the park Ibirapuera. Okay. Which is like this ginormous park where you can like ride bikes just to walk around. There's also another museum there, which there are like constant exhibitions. Uh, the last one that I know of uh, before the pandemic that I didn't get to go, sadly, was one of Van Gogh, Van Gogh's paintings. Oh, wow. Do you know which one? Mm-hmm. Was it a self-portrait? What? Excuse or- me? Was it a self-portrait? No, no, no. It was, no, it was like of a lot of his paintings. Oh, an exhibit. Yeah, an exhibition. Oh, very cool. I'm and, a big fan of Van Gogh. Van Gogh's got... Uh, me too. Great really story, like great art. Yeah, I'm looking at um, photos of this park. Story. This park is impressive. Yeah, no, it's, it's really beautiful. Let's see. There's a city very, very near here where you can go by bus called Embudas Arches. Okay. I would also recommend to go there. Um, is, uh, it's photo of the park 
yeah fountains and uh, yeah what building is that behind it it looks like a arena or something i have no idea to be honest (laughs) the architecture is really interesting too Mm -hmm. the city it looks like yeah we call it we call sao paulo the um the forest of buildings okay because like if you see from up up in from an airplane you see like a lot a lot of buildings so kind of to like make a just a position of like you know brazil the amazon forest being like yeah. all green and filled with trees we have sao paulo which is filled with buildings <laughs> <laughs> but like Something. that is yeah go ahead I was just gonna say, but that is like a, an actual fact of Sao Paulo. It's filled with buildings every, which in my view, when I started living here, I started like seeing a little bit of a problem with it because in the time that I've lived here, I've seen so many houses being put down to mm-hmm. put in place buildings. Mm-hmm. So like houses of people that like they've lived there for 20, 30 years, houses that had like big um uh yards with trees and all they will like get all put down to put more and more and more buildings hmm. like right now right now there's a building construction right next to the the place where i live like literally right next door they're building yet another another one how big is the building that is going up jeez they are like uh 10 20 floors okay yeah it's like it's they're, they're all big yeah it's pretty interesting huh something i'm really curious about is the languages that are spoken in brazil it, well uh, in sao paulo especially like um portuguese <laughs> And all Brazil is just Portuguese. So if you, but if you know Spanish, is there a lot of Spanish being spoken in Sao Paulo or I'm sure there's like numerous languages being spoken, but. I mean, because of the immigrant population here, not only of uh, people that speak Spanish, but also like from, you know, like the Japanese immigration, Chinese immigration, European immigration, like, yeah, there are a lot of languages being spoken, but overall, it's only Portuguese. Like, it's even, Brazilians would say, oh, we understand Spanish. I, I, on my own experience and on my friends and family experience, I know they don't understand. (laughs) They really don't. Yeah. No, they, um, like the, the the Brazilian Brazilian, you would say, like the ones that are like considered like, you know, Brazil is kind of like the United States in the case of there has been a lot of European immigration. So okay. like there's a lot of white folks here that would like call themselves, oh, I am 100% Brazilian, but like their great, 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 great grandfathers were like uh, from Italy or Portugal. But yeah, those um, those Brazilians, they just don't understand Spanish at all. They would like listen to someone like, for example, my my friends, my parents, my my the parents of my friends that are Peruvians and Bolivians speaking speaking Portuguese and they would not understand because of the accent. And 
we will get a little bit angry because like it is understandable just that some people are not used to different accents which is weird because Sao Paulo is very diverse so yeah. there's like a little bit of a of a problem there especially of the people that are like higher upper classes you know mm -hmm. they they that that um that sad thing that has been like you know currently happening worldwide of like not receiving very well immigrants being very nationalist being low-key or very high-key racist okay brazil yeah. is the government structure it's a little bit more authoritarian right yes now no? right now yeah because of our current yeah. president that uh, i i hate that dude so much he's yeah. like a trump okay but brazilian trump but we're having elections this year we're okay. having elections this year which is good because like literally even the people that were like on his side back on the 2018 elections a lot of people have started being against him okay. that were like also right wing well they still continue being right wing and all of that but like he's getting a lot of backlash of how bad he's managing the country yeah if you screw up managing the country people get upset yeah no matter of like course. What, what the case is yeah and yeah and oh. he wasn't really liked when like there has been a lot of polarization politically yeah. here just as there was in the united states when trump was in an office yeah. just like it's a very very similar case okay well there were a lot of um you know, of, uh, not acceptance of diversity and all of those issues. In, yeah, and and you're living in a city that's extremely diverse and has many many cultures. Yeah. Yeah. How many languages do you speak? Uh three and a half. <laughs> What's the half? French. French. Why French? Why did you start learning French? Uh well. Okay, so like I have because of my dad's job, he was a re he is a researcher in science. Okay. Uh, we have traveled traveled a lot, and um, when I was a kid, I studied in Peru at first. It was a bilingual school, but I also taught French, so I started to learn French there at the, my old school, and then uh, I we moved to Kenya. Wait, you lived in Kenya? yeah for two years what wow <laughs> yeah and so in kenya i was in in an international school i don't know if you've heard of the ib curriculum international baccalaureate no no really no what's that it's like a, it's um it's in like an international curriculum it's man i i mean it's 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 cool i guess but Oh my God, if, if any young people are listening to this and like, if you can run away from the IB, do it. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work, but, um, elaborate on that. What, what makes it so challenging? Um, because the workload is crazy and especially like you see, it's kind of like AP classes, Okay. but even more hardcore. Is that because you're like you're being um, taught how to be like a global 
citizen yeah, rather than a just global like citizen. Yeah, because you're taught to be a global citizen and all of the subjects, even the standard level ones, they already have university university subjects. So that when you go to uni, you can like cut down credits and you can even skip a year. Instead of like having a four-year undergrad, you can do just three years because you cut it with uh, IB credits. Interesting. So you were yeah. enrolled in that curriculum in Kenya? Yeah, I was enrolled there and we had to take a second language. And I was like, oh, I, I knew French when I was young. So let me just take it, take it again and see where it goes. How old were you when you lived in Kenya? 16, from 16 to really? 18. What was that like living there? Were you in Nairobi? Yeah, I was in Nairobi. Gosh, that, I love that city, like a lot. It was, at first it was a little bit different, but then again. Of course. Big cities are all the same. Mm. Basically, big cities are, they have their uniqueness, of course. They all have their uniqueness, especially of the culture, the country, the people. But in the sense of buildings, cars, malls, it's, it's they're the like same. the same, uh, uh, same objects and functionalities. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like buildings, cars, malls, supermarkets, parks, yeah, <laughs> parks, um, clubs. Yeah, yeah. But no, it was it was really cool. I really loved it. I was in international school, so I met a lot of people from different countries countries I've never heard of before and some of them are my friends still to this day so whenever I'm here I say oh like my best friend is Indian Kenyan you know people will yeah. be like how <laughs> how did you do you know her so you know people you know? like all over the world and stuff yeah 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 I, I do what was the most memorable experience living in Nairobi oh I mean good or bad uh let's go both if you have one for both okay i have one that's kind of badish it okay. was scary uh so like terrorist attacks are not that common just like people think because oh it's an underdeveloped country okay i think uh, i know what you're yeah people would think that it's common but no it's not it's scary it's scary for the people. So it's just putting it out there before someone says, oh, like attacks are common, war is coming out. It's not. It's not for anyone, anywhere. So yeah, I was in, um, at my school and they were having like some political issues uh, in the country, but not like that big of a, that like, you know, big and all. And then um, someone heard the, the sound of what they thought it was a gun. And the administration at my school, they thought like, oh my God, it's a gun. Oh my God, we're under attack. And because it's an international school and everywhere in the world, they have like a protocol of what to do in a terrorist attack. Okay. So we went under all this protocol and we had no idea if it was true or not. And we had not even had idea what was happening. So like the whole school was like under an alarm. We were like going under all this, um, the situation where we had to hide in our classroom. And then we had to go to this corridor, to this specific classrooms, hide under the desks. And we were like, oh my God, what's happening? And then we found out that the teachers and the head teacher thought that we were under attack mm -hmm. of a terrorist attack. 
but then it was just the sound of a of the tube of a car. <laughs> oh wow! Like it wasn't that. It wasn't anything. Like the militaries went to school to see what was happening. It wasn't nothing. It was just a car. But wow. that was quite scary to think yeah, that it could memorable. possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What about a positive experience? um, When we went to a school trip to a place called Naivasha and we went sort of like hiking and man, I got to see zebras and giraffes right next to me and take pictures of it. And I was like, I felt like I was in the Lion King. Wow. When I saw me and my friends, we were all like, man, we were at the Lion King. It was like amazing to see the savannah, like to be in the middle of the savannah. Yeah. I I would have never imagined I would have had that opportunity. Yeah, that's unique. And yeah, that was like amazing to see. Yeah, to like realize that I was in another continent. Because like when I was in the city in Nairobi, yeah, like I could tell, but not as much as that place where I was like, oh, I'm not seeing beaches. I'm not seeing like um cacti or... I don't know, forests, I'm seeing like savannas. I'm not seeing like llamas that I see in Peru, like llamas and condors. No, I am like seeing zebras in their natural habitat and like giraffes and not in a zoo, in their natural habitat. And I was like, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. what, what kind of animals are in Sao Paulo? Uh, cars <laughs> and people that drive. <laughs> What kind of like creatures are around in the city? Um, in the city, really not like not any local, you would say. It's more like dogs and cats. But the common animals here would be like the capybaras. What's, what kind really, of animals? Is it's kind of like a big rodent. It's really cute. See, we got rats. We got rats <laughs> in Chicago that you see at night. <laughs> And they're all crawling around. Oh, no, uh, we have alleyways. rats here, too. We have rats here, too. But like squirrels, capybaras, you would bunnies, see them we in... We have all those. They come out at... Squirrels are in the day. Bunnies come out at night. Oh, that's cute. Here you see cats. Like the capybaras, you would see them in the, in the forest, you know, in like actual nature. But okay. here at the streets and all, you would see like cats, dogs. Um, are there lizards? Birds. Yeah, lizards, like geckos, actually. Tiny geckos. A lot of that's, roaches. That's unique to me. Like, we, I really? was in Miami in uh, May last year, and it was like, we would see all these different animals, like um, these birds with these, like, these weird beaks. And um, we would see, uh, like, stray cats, a lot of stray cats, and just, like, little lizards all over the place. Which is just oh. interesting. Yeah, here we have like geckos. For me, it's like so common that I even forgot. But yeah, we have geckos. We have a lot of insects, pretty insects as well. Um, we have this birds called papagayos. Okay. They are like greenish. They're really, really beautiful. Isn't it's it? Like... Go ahead. No, sorry. You can no 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Isn't it interesting how like a lot of animals are so common in your environment that you, you, you just take it for granted, but yeah. 
and, and then you go somewhere else and it's it's like oh wow i've never seen this before but it's like so common to them like for uh an example we used to host people on airbnb and uh this gal stayed with us from italy she's from sardinia italy this was back in like 2014 or 15 and she had never seen snow before and it snowed and it was like blizzard conditions it was like under under 30 the entire time and she had never seen squirrels and she's taking videos in our backyard of like squirrels in the snow and it was like she's like posting them to facebook and it was like this really (laughs) cool thing to us it was just like oh it's squirrels it's common Um, but it's, it's interesting how in different parts of the world it's you have different common creatures yeah no yeah that's true um because like in lima peru it's where i was born uh it's common-ish to see squirrels i don't know how they ended up there i have no idea how because it's the only seed in peru you can find squirrels really yeah uh but like here it's not common at all so whenever i used to see squirrels there and Mm -hmm. when i went to visit my my uncle in la and there was also a lot of squirrels. I would like get, oh my God, just like in the movies. <laughs> For me, it's also not that common. Yeah. Or like yeah. Um, when I was in Peru, when I was studying there, there we had an alpaca in our school for some okay. reason. I don't nice. know why. Like it, it was also kind of odd situation to have an alpaca at school, but not like too odd. So whenever I tell people here, oh, yeah, no, we had an alpaca. I have no yeah. idea why. And people will be like, what? You had an alpaca <laughs> at school? And I'm like, I don't know why as well. But it, I, for me, it wasn't strange, strange. But here people find it so fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> it is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I so, guess. <laughs> well, switching gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. What? What is the role and responsibility of an animation and designer? Um, I think it's communicating self, I would say like more like self-expression, not only of yourself, but of your community through art and communicate it to people and communicate it with responsibility. I would say, because art in any sort of form, it's a way to self-express and to communicate what you want to say to the world and to people. Animation is one way to put it. And especially like, I would say a very popular way to put it out there. So I guess it's like wanting to communicate something important to you. Stories important to you that you want to showcase. Like one of the main reasons I wanted to get into this area that I want that I went on to study animation and design was to communicate myself, communicate about my story, the things I've lived, because I've I've never seen people like me producing stories, storytelling, um, putting themselves out there. So I was like always seeing white people in the media stories of white people and that made me struggle a little bit when i was a kid and when i was a teenager to be like insecure of the importance of my own existence and of the existence of my people even to feel ashamed of my roots and my people so i was like 
growing up, actually one of the people that inspired me to encourage me to go pursue art, art and communication, uh, was the author and uh, director Marjan Satrapi. She's from Iran. Okay. She made the movie Persepolis. The first time I read her graphic novel Persepolis and saw who she was, where she was from, that she was a woman of color doing art, making movies, drawing, making design. I was like, oh, someone that's not white and someone that's like a woman of color is out there and she made it and she's telling her story. And I, I am actually learning a lot from her story. And even though we have like different ethnicities, different nationalities, different lives, I saw a lot of myself in her. And so I was like, I want to make that for young people, young women and young people in general. Like, I want to show them the diversity of the diversity of life and what is out there. And um, not that you'd like, um, it's not only white people that can be out there and produce and like the whole other people be like erased or like not important that we are all important and we can all be out there so we're we're all humans out here and the more we can contribute our own stories the more uh beautiful life is with yeah yeah exactly more more and more and more stories yeah exactly exactly like i got so inspired by someone that's not from completely not from a nationality like completely yeah. different. She's from Iran. She's Persian. I am. I am Latina. I am like mixed. Uh, we would you say mestiza? You know, like a brown mm. Latina, but not like mm. brown Asian. And mm. yet, still, I saw a lot of myself in her, of her experiences of how she was as a teenager. And yeah, I think we can inspire people a lot through art just to live, to exist, to empower ourselves and to know more about the world out there. Yeah. And it's like, you're able to communicate a lot of emotions and ideas and stories because you're connecting with something that's like innate in every single person, regardless of how they look or where they're from. It's like, this this like human experience in all of us that you're able to then channel through your own prism and perspective of the world right yeah exactly and like i learned a lot of that especially when i was in kenya because you know in here in south america we have a lot of uh western influences especially towards the our views from the eastern world about like okay. stereotypes of how Africa, of how our Asian people, how our brown people, Arab people, Indian people, you know, like very limited things of how is the world outside of our own world. And the thing we all, the things we only knew here was like, how's our own world and how is the United States? And then mm-hmm. when I went there, I started meeting people from different countries, different uh, nationalities. And I started seeing how similar we are even though i thought we weren't Mm -hmm. like before especially with the 9-11 and all of that stuff uh there was a huge there is still a huge fear in the western world world towards uh, muslim people towards islamism 
And that got very ingrained when I was a kid mm. because it was all around media. But then I got to know Muslim people, people from Islam. And I was like, there's nothing to fear because it's just another religion. And um, one of my closest friends from Nairobi ended up being Muslim. And she taught me a lot. She taught me a lot yeah. of her, a lot of her, her culture, a lot of her religion. And I nowadays I have a huge respect to it. So like, I, you know, I think the more exposure people get towards different countries, um, yeah. the less the scary less the prejudice yeah the less scary the world becomes the less prejudice you will have and the more acceptance you will acceptance you will have in yourself towards the differences sometimes like you will not have the experiences i have because it was like a really privileged experience i had i like a once in a lifetime thing that i got to go to nairobi and study in international school that's like very unique experience but <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> it's a very rare one but like we can be exposed to different things by media, you know, mm -hmm. by giving opportunities, opening doors towards diversity. And that way we can see media from diversity, see experiences yeah. of other people different from ourselves and see them not as a stereotype and just as people, that they're just people and how beautiful the differences are how beautiful each and different uh, nationality culture is. Yeah. And not to well, fear, not to be scared. Right. What, uh, so what then initially sparked your interest in arts, creativity and storytelling? And then like, how did you develop that, that imagination as you, uh, and how does that like serve you as, like a designer and an animator. Wait, can you can you elaborate? They didn't quite understand. There were like, yeah, there were like two questions in there. So like, <laughs> initially, what sparked your interest in art and creativity? And then second, how have you used that? How has that imagination served you as uh, what you do now? Uh, so I always loved to draw ever since I was a kid. Um, I would make uh, clothes for my Barbies from, you know, those Huggies, uh, Huggy wipes, okay. baby wipes. <laughs> I was just like a kid that would like grab a uh, baby wipe, grab some pants and color it, cut it and put it on my Barbies. Um, but I guess like the place, the moment where I was like, I want to pursue art as my career was when I was around 12 years old, 13, when I was in, on Tumblr. Okay. Um, I started, you know, like following the fan accounts dedicated, especially for books. I was a, I still am a huge fan of Percy Jackson. And I saw like all of these people that were on my age, a little bit older, making these like really cool graphic posters by themselves using <laughs> illegal Photoshop. <laughs> nice. And I was like, I was seeing that and I was like, I want to do that too. Cause so oh, this is really cool. So I downloaded Photoshop and I was like, okay, I'm going to teach myself because no one will teach me. And then I started really liking it. Back then I had stopped drawing for a while because of school and other responsibilities. But then yeah. that brought me back to my creative self, which was always like with 
always made me feel like myself, made me feel alive and happy. So that made me feel like happy again. And I started also following um, illustrators that made fan arts. And I was like, I want to do that as well. So I started going again into it by myself, teaching Photoshop myself. Yeah. And I saw how much I enjoyed it. And my parents, especially my dad, saw how much time I would spend on the computer, just like me and Photoshop, hours and hours. And he would be like, this kid yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even go to go drink some water. And then my dad was like, you know, there's a career for it. You know, you could like search more on it. And then, yeah, kind of that sparked like, oh, when actually to pursue this, if I can take as my career. And also I started liking Hatsune Miku a lot. And I was like, I want to work doing the things that Hatsune Miku do. <laughs> Producing Hatsune Miku and her concerts. <laughs> Wait, so who is this? Hatsune, oh, you've never heard of her. She's, um, I don't think so. She's a, a digital hologram Japanese singer. How do you, can you put the name in the chat? Yeah, yeah, I'll put it uh, here. There. She's like, she's not a real person. <laughs> she's like an anime that sings. But yeah, basically discovering her through Tumblr as well. I was like, oh, I want to. This seems really cool. I want to work with this. Okay. Let me see. Yeah. So this is uh, Miku. So this is a character. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. made by this enterprise called Vocaloid. And it's like a voice bank, actually. And a lot of like musicians that know how to make music use her to make music. Oh. It's really cool. Tell me more about Tumblr. What was Tumblr like? It doesn't exist anymore, right? I guess it's still, but not as hype as it was before. Like back in 2012, it was crazy. Like everyone that was like around 12 to 15 years old or even like older, they were there, like all the fan accounts. I guess that Tumblr back then is what Twitter is today. Okay. All the fan accounts, dedicated fan clubs were mainly on Tumblr. Huh. It was like huge. All the fashion trends began there as well. Taylor Swift was huge in Tumblr. Like her album Bread came out, I think in 2012. Okay. And that was like huge on Tumblr everywhere, like everywhere. Huh. Yeah, it was like the, the place where hipsters from 2012 were born. <laughs> wow. It's so interesting. Uh, this weekend, I had a conversation with my little brother and uh, he had his bachelor party. And so everybody's, uh, he's seven years younger than me. But we had... Uh, younger guys there too and they were they were asking we were having this conversation about like like downloading music like when i was in like sixth grade and downloading it like illegally and then mm -hmm. lime and wire. Like my lime wire <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lime wire and then like like myspace 
and then Facebook. And when I first joined Facebook in like 07, you had to have a, a college email. So it was like kind of like a rite of passage. And then Facebook was so much fun. And then, then like, there's just like a new thing for every kind of niche or every, it's just like expanded so much. It was really interesting. Yeah. No, yeah. I, my sister was kind of like the MySpace generation. And okay. here in Latin America, okay, in Peru, there was this uh, social social network called High Five. And here in Brazil, there was Orcuchi. They were like kind of the MySpace, but from here. And so, yeah, for my sister, it was that. And then Facebook started. I got, my sister got first uh, her Facebook because she's older. And then I got into it when I was like, I think 12 as well. Okay. Almost at the same time of Tumblr. I used a little bit of Facebook, but then I went completely towards Tumblr. Okay. But I guess like here it was, it kind of like was at the same time. Some kids just Facebook, other kids just Tumblr. Like the cool kids, the 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 kids that thought they were cool, but like not the popular, but like the oh I am so different, cool. Yeah. Use Tumblr, and the popular ones use Facebook. Huh. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how there's a different audience for every everything, yeah. right? Like like uh, with the podcast, we have a different audience that's on YouTube. We have a different audience than that's on that follows us on Instagram. We have a different audience that listens to us on podcast subscriptions. And it's like all these different, all these different like groups or like ways to experience something or like a, a human experience in a way where you're like connecting, connecting, I guess, community and connection. There's yeah. so many different ways, but also coming from like one thing as well it's fascinating yeah no that's that's really cool like all the all the niche someone something can get to yeah <laughs> you can get super niche out there yeah <laughs> uh okay so like how do you see the role and outlook of designers moving forward in the 21st century um first of all everything has in the 21st century, like everything has gone digitally more mm -hmm. than, uh, you know, like analog. Physically. Or, yeah, physically. Yeah. Like ev everything is more like digital now. Yeah. Um, right now, when I'm at least where I work and how I see with my work colleagues and all like, you know, the design industry here in Sao Paulo, the main um place where it goes to is for social media and marketing social media mm -hmm. like design has gone design animation it has gone a lot into social media and marketing that's what i'm noticing and that's okay. like very interesting how so um because like when you go to college first you learn about the uh, design movements art movements and how they started to like invent new things. And nowadays it's all completely different. Nowadays it's all for merchandising more than anything else. And when you're, how it changes. Yeah, when you were learning about these, these like art movements, what, what were those movements about? 
it was a lot of emotion, especially like the first ones were like a lot of to express a lot of emotion and then to express a human experience um, and the day-to-day life of the of the time. But then when design started to begin with the Bauhaus, it was like more of a solution, seeking for a solution visually. I'm uh, grabbing a, a book here. Unfortunately, it's <laughs> a little bit lower. <laughs> Actually, yeah. yeah, I love me some Bauhaus. Oh, it's really fun. I really like Bauhaus as well. Yeah. Some of my friends, they have a little bit of like a trauma because we saw a lot of Bauhaus in our first semester. <laughs> <laughs> And some of my friends didn't like the teacher. So we were like, oh, no, I don't want to listen to Bauhaus anymore, anything about it. But I really like it. (laughs) Yeah. For those listening, I'm I'm holding up uh, the ABCs of Bauhaus. Uh, Yeah, it was this it was this art movement, design movement in the like, like from 1919 to 1933 in Germany. And then it came to America and uh, yeah, it really influenced design, like mid-century, 20th century, just like so much. And then yeah, Joseph, it was like, Joseph Albers, this one, Interaction of Colors. It was like around the time that it began design, like being a way to solve problems, a solution-seeking mm. thing through through visual art, through art. Yeah. And nowadays it is still applied to that, but now it's way more of like, merchandising and marketing and uh, yeah i guess i i I haven't put that much thought of it especially because like i guess before it was more thought out you could think more about what you're producing nowadays everything has become more like automatic quick fast instant so there isn't like that much of a time to actually think of what you're doing. If there's any design movement happening, like, of course there is, there always is, but like things have become so fast, so quickly, and people want things so in such an instant that it's has become more automatic and more robotic, I guess. How does that make you feel as a designer? a little bit sad a little bit angry a little bit angry at capitalism in that way uh because like you don't have that much time to think about the art you're doing you just have to do it because the clients want you to do it fast and they gotta put it up on their their instagram post or their commercial or their ad that they're running yeah and um people the people that consume, they don't know how much time it takes like to make a movie. Yeah. They think, oh, one, two years. It's so much time. It has to be made like in an instant when, no, it's actually one, two years. It's when you're producing it, it's a really short time. Like people would get surprised that, oh, Caroline took seven years to be done because like, oh, that's way too much time. Why has, has it taken that much time? It's like a stop motion animation. 
it takes a lot of time and people like have no idea all the processes it takes because people want things in an instant because they consume it fast and they want to consume more and more and more. So I'm learning and seeing how, how much time it takes to produce visual things, whether it being a poster poster or being a short animation like how much time it takes now it has taught me to appreciate it more yeah to take the time to like absorb it consume it and you know respect all the work that has been put through it because man it, it it's a lot and people think oh you can make this video just like do it in 30 minutes like it will <laughs> not take you time it's like bro <laughs> It takes a month <laughs> to make this short video. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know my uh, so my my roommate is an animator illustrator and he worked on this. He made this music video and uh, it turned out really good, but it took him probably like a year to make it. Yeah, like no, it takes like a three minute video took a year a year yeah because it's the concept like you have to make the mood boards the art direction then you get to character design and then you have to do the um animatic and you know you have to start animating it which it takes a lot of time yeah and then post-production it's it's a lot it's a lot of work yeah it's a lot of work indeed well, do you have a favorite experience so far with that you've like, worked on like a project you've worked on or experience with um, that? Actually, I have a lot. I have a lot. Um, so the most recent one was just like a design, tiny design project that I did for where I work. Uh, okay. Actually, it happened last week. Uh, it was just a post about the timeline of emo, but I got actually some time to curated you know like it, it all the text and everything was already done by the social media person but i had time to like create the images the style and it was really fun because i really like the emo movement i am a huge fan okay. and like if there's like any emo purists around there like listening yeah i'm talking about midwest emo and all of that not like the the mainstream emo Cause there's like a lot of that fight of the regional emo, what it was with the math rock and the Midwest and that, Oh, Paramore is not emo. <laughs> you got to elaborate on this for me. Cause I am clueless about this. So there's all these okay. niches in emo culture and you said there, Midwest there emo. What is Midwest emo? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like uh, the emo core sort of like started around the eighties with like hardcore influences okay. and then around the 90s it uh began being called the styles was like midwest emo and math rock and a little bit of noise rock which was like very very emotional songs that had a lot of um hardcore influences and then from around like the 2000s it started dividing itself into the mainstream emo that would be like the panic at the disco followed boy bands that people know that are more popular and then there's this other side of it that continued being more of 
chill, more with um, hardcore influences in its sound, okay. more guitar-y, which still is called today uh, Midwest Emo and Math Rock. And uh, so, yeah, there's like this two divisions of what is the true emo. How do you get the name Midwest Emo? Because it was produced in the Midwest of the United States. Wow. Being here in it the is. Midwest, too. This is like, look at, look at this. Like someone yeah. in Brazil is talking about the Midwest of the United States. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Midwest so, Emo. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really nice. Bands like American Football, Modern Baseball, Into It, Out of It. Um, Empire, Empire. They're really nice. They're kind of sad, <laughs> but they're really nice. Um, so yeah, I was in a, doing a little bit of a post about that, making all the visual, the visual identity of that. And it was like really nice to see, to, to do. Even my boss, she said it looked really, really nice. And then, um, I made some short movies, short animated movies in college, okay. uh, with my group of friends because you know, the, the projects we had to present, one of them was a stop motion short movie uh, based on my experience here, actually, like as a Peruvian here in Sao Paulo. It mm. was like a 30, no, like a one minute short movie. Okay. Um, it's about like this girl arriving at an airport and she's handing in arriving at an airport here in Sao Paulo, handing in her passport and it's a Peruvian. And the, the guy from, you know, the immigration place had no idea where she was from. And, she, and he would be like, oh, so Spanish, tacos, maracas, you know. <laughs> and she would get angry and be like, no, it's not that. And then it, it will end with she getting angry, throwing all of the stuff he would take out, like with nachos and maracas and sombrero. Mm -hmm. And then another immigrant would arrive, being a, a Japanese immigrant, because in our group there was there's a friend that she is of Japanese descent. Okay. And it will be arriving as well at the immigration part. And the same guy would be like, oh, Japan. So Pokemon, kimono. Okay, yeah. You know? Just all yeah. the stereotypes. So yeah, all the stereo all the wrong stereotypes. So basically showing how people here and everywhere like ignorant and then there's our final project that we did there was a three minute uh 2d animation based on hansel and gretel but putting like the witch in a very positive positive way like she not being a like a, a mean and bad witch but being just an old lady that wanted company misunderstood yeah, misunderstood. <laughs> and we made it sort of like fun and funny. And it it was very stressful to do it, to be uh, honest, because like we did it last year in the middle of the pandemic. It mm -hmm. was all remote. Okay. And we were already tired. It was our yeah. last year of uni and we had like a whole year to do it. But still, <laughs> we thought it wasn't enough because we were working nonstop and I was already like having a job and internship while doing that short movie. And it was really hard 
but it ended up being, being like really, really cute. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like you're, you're just like working on a ton of projects and just like, just out there doing your creating. It's cool. Yeah. 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 I try, I try to like stay out there. I like creating stuff. Yeah. It's fantastic. We talked a little bit about music just, just now. And then, then a while back at the beginning, who are three musical artists in your heavy rotation right now? Ooh, wait, let me check Spotify. Yeah. These are probably, like, these are probably gonna be bands I've never heard of. I, I listen to a lot, a lot of diverse stuff. I would listen from okay. like regional and then stuff to like really heavy known stuff like the death grips. <laughs> I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really heavy, weird or like Arca. Okay. It's like weird music, but I would also listen to like Miley Cyrus and stuff. Um, Let's see. I've been listening to Mac Miller recently. Rest in peace. It was amazing. What do you like about Mac Miller? He's been coming up a little bit more on my like suggestions on Spotify. He was very genuine. Like he yeah. was very genuine in his music. He would pour all his heart over in his music and was like quite relatable of the stuff he would sing of his struggles and just his daily life. I, I recommend it a lot. He was he was amazing. Um, let's see what else. I've been listening to Banks. Is she's sort of like an alternative pop singer? Who is this? Banks. Banks. And okay. um, Nati Peluso. She's an Argentinian singer of R and B. Can you put it in the chat? Mm -hmm. okay nathi peluso cool nice Wait, what's the next show you're going to um lola peluso actually Lala coming up right yeah yeah that's this See, weekend or next weekend this weekend, this Saturday, like wow. this whole weekend, but I'm only going on Saturday. See Mali Cyrus, a day to remember. <laughs> what, um, for you, what, what does live music, the value, what is the value it brings to you as an individual? Of live music? Yeah the experience you have in the middle of the crowd with a lot of people seeing the same artists that you all like and having the connection with the artist like you're not only listening to it recorded on like on spotify you're listening to it singing live with all the emotions the artist is feeling at the moment and any changes artists want to do to their music at that very moment. Mm. You know, you're seeing it very raw there, like the, the, the music, the song you're seeing on its raw state of it being played live. So I think that whole experience is, for me, it's really important. I really like it. Connect with the artists and with the people, with the crowd, like 
singing it together with the crowd and with the artists as well and feeling all the energy. That word right there, energy. I, I was at a show. A lot of my friends are like on tours and I have a lot like know a lot of musicians. And so my friends in Bone Lane were playing a show at Chop Chop on Sunday night. So I went to that here in Chicago. And last night I was working at the restaurant and I had, uh, had some friends stop by and I was telling them about the show and I show them a video of it. But it's the video is so limiting because the energy. There's not like a direct and this is what I'm curious about with technology. How do you record the energy? Because all you can record you is people experiencing the energy. But there's no like direct from videotaping it to like feeling, feeling the energy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you can't. That's the thing of like live performance or like seeing people face to face. The thing that we couldn't experience because of the pandemic or until like now. Yeah. The feeling, the connection you feel with people face to face, side by side is completely different. And I think you can record it or like no technology would be able to substitute that. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't that so fascinating? Yeah, it is. It is very fascinating. Uh, who or what are three people or things that have influenced your outlook on life? The first one is definitely Marjan Sutrapi. Uh, because of her, I am where I am today. Can you type that name work. in the chat too? So mm -hmm. I can... Look this up. I recall, okay. like her most famous uh, graphic novel and movie is Persepolis. Wait, let me tap it down. Um, because of her, I am where I am today. Like uh, she wow. was the the her her work was the thing that made me be secure of. Um, going to pursue art and be like there's a place for me you know there's someone that kind of looks like me in a way mm -hmm. and she's out there so i can be out there as well wow um, that's cool let me see three people i guess my parents you would put us one person <laughs> yeah but like, yeah, my parents uh, have always supported me in a way. And also because um, we're immigrants here in here in Brazil, mm -hmm. I've lived for a long time away from my roots and also like denying my own roots for a while because um, many reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, but like because of them and through them, I started reconnecting with my roots again. They are the ones that have always, in a way or another, reminded me of who I am, where I am from. And when they noticed that I started getting interested again in like wanting to know where I come from and my roots, they're the ones that teach me. Mm -hmm. uh, teach me about our culture, our, our story. My mom teaches me a lot of our costumes that I didn't grow up with, but she did. Okay. And especially of the language, um, because in Peru, we don't also speak Spanish. We also speak Quechua. That's a native, mm. uh, native language. So 
my mom would teach me some words in it. She doesn't speak it like that much. She only knows a couple of words. My great grandparents used to speak it, but it's important to keep the language alive some way or another to keep the culture alive. So she will teach me some things and the things from her childhood, uh, what Peru is about, the things that I lived far away from. They would like teach me a lot about it and understand myself even more, understand myself, my traces, the things we have at home and why do we have them. And in a way, it was a way to teach myself of self-love, to accept my own roots, to know them. It's a way of self-love. Wow, that's awesome. So yeah, for me, that was very important. That thing of them was very important. Yeah, they provide that connection to something you can't experience physically or tangibly at the moment of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Do you have one last uh, influence? Um, geez, I don't know. <laughs> like, I do have more. But like, you know, those moments where you just forget about everyone yeah. else. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, in that case, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I was going to say, I guess that's it, at least like right. for right now. <laughs> so, uh, so I have one last question for you. This is one of my favorite questions I like asking people. What are you curious about recently? Huh. Jeez, mm. I don't know. But the thing is, I'm curious about a lot of things. Like, a lot of a lot of the time i don't know i guess to learn more about like right now at the moment i would say to learn more about um different cultural conflicts and why they happen mm. because of the 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 situation we're living in right now worldwide yeah. you know and um i've always felt intrigued about like how it all began and why because there's always like a root of it of all the conflicts that happen around the world yeah so i guess it would be like more of political sciences i've always been interested in that because um i guess because i lived in different countries <laughs> yeah huh but like some weeks before i was like reading a lot of psychology just just okay. because just because like i am very curious about that as well about different mental illnesses and how the brain works. So the brain every works, yeah. week, every week it changes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. That means, that means your brain is like stimulating itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Elaine. This has been fantastic. It's been great talking with you. Okay. Thank you for having me. It was, it was really nice talking to you. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Elaine on Instagram at elimxrgz. Take some time today to think about how you're a unique individual with a unique perspective and background and how you can use that and show it to the world to hopefully inspire others. Have a fantastic day.